Welcome to IPU Podcast. I am your host, Jay Tissy. And I'm Agape Pamiro. This is a show about business owners, philanthropists, and influencers in the African diaspora. Every dream begins with a dreamer, and we're here to share the stories behind their movement. So sit back, relax, learn a thing or two, and enjoy the conversation. What's up, happy people? Thank you so much for tuning in. We're back and we're here with an amazing, amazing guest. Um, He is the triple threat. He's an artist in every aspect of the word. He's a musician, a model, an actor. He calls himself the African George Clooney. I don't know if I agree with that or not, but you know, we'll see when the interview goes on. Um, He's also a father and let's not forget, he is the king of the dance floor. Welcome to the show, Frankie. Boop, 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 boop. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Agape. Thank you. I, yeah, I had to make it a point to be on this Listen, part of the podcast. Yeah. This is exciting to have you. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing everything you've been up to and what's to come. So before we get started, just tell our mm-hmm. listeners a little bit about you and then we'll get into the details. Wow, man, that would take me a year to really introduce myself. But <laughs> I'll break it down a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> take your time, so, break it down. Yeah, so uh, my name is Frank Rukundo. Uh, my real name, but my stage name is Frankie Joe Rukundo. Don't ask me about how the Frankie Joe came about, but uh, that's my real name, stage name rather. I am um, I am originally from Rwanda. Uh, was born and raised in Uganda as a refugee. But um, anybody out there who knows our history, uh, you know, my parents moved to Uganda in 1959, and uh, of course, my dad, you know, went to school in Uganda. My mama was actually born in Uganda, and. Uh, in the 80s, they met and um, they fell in love, and uh, Frank Rukun was born. <laughs> <laughs> love yeah, is so, born out of love. Exactly. So, um, you know, um, I did my schooling in Uganda, uh, but I also had a chance to go visit my grandparents, but, you know, in the village, you know, in a place called Nyachivara. That's a place, it was just like a, a refugee cent- settlement sort of uh, location. But my grandfather was actually very, you know, uh, hard. He, he was such a very hardworking guy, just like any other Rwandan refugees, who were able to actually get away from the, you know, settlement sort of uh, uh, setups. And then he just set him up, himself himself up. Oh, he set himself up with a whole bunch of cows and piece of land. He was able to, you know, take his kids to, to you know, through school and good schools and, yeah. So. Pretty much that's me. I'm a very, you know, lively, you know, I love life. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, I, uh, I take it easy. I don't, I think life is such a beautiful thing that uh, I don't need to see. I don't need, I don't see any reason as to why I should be really, really so up there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sure. I just live a beautiful life. It doesn't matter if I'm driving a a G-Wagon, all the way from driving Corolla. I am still Frank Rikundo, and uh, I am breasted all day. I, um, I'm a father. Uh, my son is Tay Rikundo Mpezinhari. Uh, he's uh, nine. And uh, I live in Canada right now, which is tremendous. And uh, pretty much that's it. But so to speak, I'm, you know, I've loved music. I've uh, 
I was able to be, I was actually recorded to, I was signed to a record label in Nairobi, Kenya. But then when I moved to, when I moved down to Calgary, then it kind of uh, fell apart just because my record label wanted me to be in Kenya as opposed to Canada. So mm. that way we could be able to do some records and do some performances and do tours and stuff like that. So they were like, when I decided to move to Canada, they were like, oh, Frank, we can't really do business like this. So just because I was so much in love that I had to move to Canada for love, I decided to, <laughs> <laughs> I came down to Calgary. So when I came down to Calgary, I, uh, I was exposed to a whole bunch of other things that I could do better, uh, things like acting, or things like uh, fashion. I think I was too handsome to, you know. <laughs> hey! Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah so, I, I, I see it. I was just gonna you know, say it, it only makes sense. You know, <laughs> well, I didn't have the gray. I didn't have the gray by that by that time, but you know, I embraced it still. And uh, yeah, so I've done a whole bunch of work. You know, I did some work in Hollywood. I was able to do some uh, acting alongside uh, people like Common, uh, people like Jimoni Hunsu. And uh, to be honest, I was just an you know uh, it was just a how can I call it? The walk of grace. Well, you're like, you know what? I'm deep. I'm from Kampala, streets of Kampala with nothing whatsoever. And now I'm in, you know, I mean, I'm in Canada and I'm actually exposed to you know, great people like uh, Common, who is actually an Oscar winning, you know, actor. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Jimoni Hunsu, who is like the, 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 the biggest of all African actors who has actually made it in the States. And to me, that was really incredible. So in a nutshell, that's me. I have a, a degree in finance. Uh, when the craziness stops, I, um, I'm a finance guy, so but I'm also looking forward to doing my master's degree in some specific whatever. I haven't determined yet, but uh, I'll be doing that. Wow, a man of many talents, it seems. You know, I try. <laughs> so how did you, mm-hmm. you get started in singing? What, was it a natural-born uh, love from a young age, or how, what led you into becoming Frankie Joe? <laughs> yeah, so um, when I... Of course, when uh, when I was growing up with my grand grandparents, uh, I used to sing a little bit. But then, you know, of course, I could talk to my grandfather, and he was like, "Oh, who's that in Burgos? You know, like your great great grandfather was a singer." Oh, okay. Yeah, so in the family. Yeah. So, but if we are talking about the, you know, like my mother, my mother loves singing, but she's always offbeat, so I'm always making fun of her. <laughs> my my father is not a singer, but he can dance, you know. And my immediate grandfather, the one that I interacted with before he died, uh, that I, I grew up with before he died. Well, I grew up with him. I was there for five years. He apparently was a dancer, a traditional dancer, like uh, he could dance, like traditional Rwandan music. Mm-hmm. And he was pretty good, and he was very athletic too. So I think I took the genes from him. So coming back to your question, I think, um, of course, when you, you know, when you're five years old, you could listen to all those old school, you know, mm-hmm. African songs and everything was great. But I think uh, when I was 14, if not 13, uh, this is when Boys Two Men were coming up and I could feel the music and I'm like, wow, this is great. You know, I could emulate them. I could try to sing like them. I could, uh, you know, I was like, you know, um, all the kids in school, like, Frank, you can sing. Oh my God. You know, so that kind of uh, gave me the, the power, rather the confidence to, you know, be the, you know, the main kid on the, on the stage, mm-hmm. you know, doing all the Michael Jackson dances and the vocalizing and stuff like that. So I think I, that gave me the, you know, the, the push, you know, you know, it propelled me to a different level of, of singing. 
And then um, when I went to university, I think in my first, second year, it was the first time that I did a record on my own that I had to record and, uh, you know, sit down with the producer, just come up with something extraordinarily amazing. And uh, I still remember that song. How, how did it go? How do you know you? Oh God, I was like, you know, and you know, one of those things you do, you're just, you know, begrudgingly doing it. You're like, oh, I don't know how it's going to turn out, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Trust me, in the next week when I released the song, of course, we had a few radio stations in Rwanda by that time. I, re- I did release the song. I gave it to a few, you know, different radio DJs. And the next thing, mm. I'm in my university room and people are like, Frankie! I'm like, eh, what is it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was, you know, so that really, I was like, you know what? I can sing. I can really sing, you know? And all the producers, all the radio stations, all the, you know, the, you know, the, 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 the news people were like, Ray, so who wrote this song? And by that time, Kinyarwanda was not really good. Because mm-hmm. I grew up in Uganda. I spoke a lot of Uganda to post to Kinyarwanda. But, you know, I was polishing it. I was really polishing it. And I was able to come up with such a great song. So people were like, how do you, when you speak, you don't really sound this proficient in Kinyarwanda. But how did you write such a song to really sound this beautiful? So to me, I was like, you know what? I don't know. God is just doing his magic and mm-hmm. I'm really grateful. Yeah. That's awesome. So how, uh, around what age? You said that was the second year of... Um... Yeah, I, I think it was like yeah, 23. Okay. Yeah. And then from yeah, there... 23, 24, yeah. How's, how's it go from there to getting a, a contract, a recording contract? Yeah, so, you know, with the music, it's something very, you know, incredible. When you do one thing... You kind of it kind of exposes you to different things, to mm. different people. You know, like uh, I was at the university, and you know, like going to school. You know, going to the university in Rwanda, you basically I was on a scholarship, mm. but of course, I was a you know I was a man. I was a you know I wanted to look good, so that started bringing in a little bit of income. I could I could go to Serena to do all these concerts and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and you know that really. You know, paid my bills. You know, I remember I was, I was looking good. <laughs> I still look good, but yeah, I'm like, hey. <laughs> you know. And um, so it kind of exposed me to different people. You know, people would be like, "Hey, MTN," would be like, "Frank," you know, you know, Bradley Road would be like, "Frank," you know. So I was kind of uh, one of those guys that was actually the talk of the town. Mm-hmm. And um, of course, you know, with all these international artists coming to perform in Rwanda, like we would interact. Of course, they could see my. Uh, astronomical powers to mm-hmm. just blow the charisma the and take it yeah and they'd be like oh well Frank, do you want to do something with us i'm like okay cool so i would go down to uganda do some stuff in uganda 
and uh, but the magic one is uh, when Kidum Kidum was like a the biggest singer that I've ever seen in, mm-hmm. you, know, in you know of course I would look at his you know vocal composure and his writability and uh, just everything about him so I really wanted to do something with him so when I when I the first time I met him I'm like dude I'm gonna do something with you and uh, he was like yeah if you want to do something with, excuse me if you want to do something with me just come to come to Nairobi and of course me being that you know that kind of person is really pugnacious and you know trying to figure you know i'm very aggressive when it comes to some things that i want to do mm-hmm. so i um i found myself you know jumping on the bus uh, from kigali to kampala kampala to nairobi i looked for him i went to a place called kilimani he introduced me to his uh, producer who was the same producer uh, for nameless you, you guys know nameless yes yeah mm-hmm. yes so he was like okay cool and uh, but of course you know producers are very uh, egocentric in a way like they have this sort of ego that you can't understand i'm like mm-hmm. brother listen to me when i sing you're going to love it <laughs> 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 you know <laughs> so we you know next thing he's like okay so we did the first song it was called uh, diamond girl which which is great it's kind of kizomba is very very strong in the vocal perspective but mm-hmm. very you know i'm trying to compare the production then by with the production today the production kind of lacked a little bit but you you know it's still danceable it's still good and then kidum was like frank you sound good let's do this song and we jumped to the studio and the next thing we released the biggest song that i've ever recorded and that was kipenda rojo and uh me being a sucker for languages, like I was able to sing in Rinyanko, no, actually Luganda, uh, Swahili, Kinyarwanda, and of course Kidumu, you know, killed it in Kirundi and uh, mm-hmm. Swahili. So mm-hmm. we, you know, that kind of exposed us to a different, you know, a wide range of a market, you know, a market spectrum where we were able to, you know, have some whole bunch of, you know, a whole bunch of people from Kampala, you know, uh, saying, hey, this two people where are they from but they sound so good you know mm-hmm. so things like that kind of exposed us you know exposed me to different people to different people and uh, i think that's pretty much uh, the whole trajectory that mm-hmm. you know that so I that's how your your music career started mm-hmm. now how did you end up becoming a model and an actor i mean yeah you look good but there's a difference between just taking <laughs> pictures of yourself <laughs> you know and actually making money out of it how did that come about? No, so um, when I moved down, so when I did, when I, when I was still in Kigali before I came to, uh, to Canada, uh, you guys know Bredigua. Bredigua is like uh, the main mm-hmm. number, one, number one, you know. Beer. Uh, beer sort of. Um, yeah. Yeah. So there's this friend of mine who was like, a, so they wanted to do like a, a commercial, like a print, whatever. Mm-hmm. But they were looking for a specific sort of look. Uh, me, of course, I didn't have hair, so I was all bold, and I was still going to the gym. I, I looked good. And, of course, uh, you know, I, I'm i 6'2", so that kind of put me to that sort of, uh, I, it qualified me to be the candidate mm-hmm. of that particular face they're looking for. So when I showed up, the the photographer was actually from South Africa, and, you know, with, you know, with their South African accent, he's like, oh, he's great. We found him. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> I'm like, you know. So we, we, we did a photo shoot. And of all the guys that he was messing around with, like taking pictures and stuff like that, he was like, this guy 
can take you to another level if you wanted to. And at, at some point, I was like, are you gay? You know, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> are you hating on me right like, now? Yeah. Came a little too easily. Yes. I'm like, the way he was talking to me, I don't even know if it was gay or not, but, and of course I was in Africa. So by that time I was not really exposed to people really, really, you know, Fun out there. Brilliant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, but I, I took it easy. So when I got paid, I think I was paid like 200,000 Ugandan, no, Rwandan francs. Mm-hmm. That was a lot of money. That was a lot of money, you know, by then. And the next thing I was on the billboards in Rwanda, I was like, okay, cool. This is it. But I had, you know, I had applied for my uh, Canadian visa, uh, uh, mm-hmm. visa. So when I came down to Canada, uh, to Calgary, you know, Calgary is a very laid back city. There's not a whole bunch of things happening, like from a fashion perspective, rather you know, acting perspective or modeling, pers- you know, fashion uh, and music perspective. Mm-hmm. So, but there's quite a few agencies that I was able to, I think that was the first thing that I did in the first couple of months when I was in Calgary. I looked around, I met phone calls. I'm like, hey guys, I am Frank Rakundo. I'm a model. They're like, oh, okay, can you come for uh, this and this? And uh, the agency, the agency that I went to for the first time, Platinum Talent, is the same agency that I still work with right now. Mm-hmm. They, they, the lady was like, oh my God, oh my God. You know, and I was like, oh, maybe, you know. So, but she was more into the acting side as opposed to the fashion side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she was like, yeah. So all the gigs that I used to get then, I was a background actor. Like I didn't have lines or whatever, you know, they call us extras. Mm-hmm. So I could just go in, act as an extra. But I was really, really delighted to be part of a production like that. And uh, one time I was just walking on the street. This woman is like, are you a model? I'm like, yeah. But technically, I was not. So, like, okay, so I want to. Say, so like, you know what? I um, can you. This is my business card. Please call my agency tomorrow. We want we want you for this shoot. I'm like, okay, cool. So, I go to this agency, and uh, the guy was like, "Oh, you you're good, but your eyes are reddish. They're not really bright. They're kind mm. of." Uh, but of course, like you know, coming from Africa, you know, we are black people. There's a few things that we have as black people, and apparently, my teeth were kind of yellowish mm-hmm. but to me i was like hey you know when you go to the bathroom you're like, hey, no. <laughs> you know <laughs> you know just you know and of course i go to the dentist but this dude was real he was like frank i am not really being a jackass on this mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. yeah if you could just you know try to use some sort of uh you know Teeth whitener, visings, visings, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And if you can go to the dentist, so they could brighten your smile a little bit. I felt so bad. Mm-hmm. We didn't do anything of on that course. day. Like, yeah, I really kind of hit me so hard. So I went back home and I spoke to my uh, ex-wife. I'm like, you know what? This dude is a jackass. I'm not going back. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, yeah. He said uh, my teeth were a little bit not white enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he said I have a beautiful smile, but you know, not white enough. She's like, "Oh, we can fix that." And I'm like, "Hey, so you think I have yellow teeth?" So you have green teeth. Yeah, you have green teeth. You know, just a little sweetheart. No, no, no. You know how women can be. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You have a perfect smile. I'm like, "Hey, but but we need to uh, maybe the water in Africa." I'm like, "Hey, hey." <laughs> 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 she's like, no, but we work on it. You know, she's like, you know, Frank, nobody has perfect teeth. Even the ones that you see that, you know, 
you you see them on TV, like right. blah blah blah. You know, they they do some work on it. Like they they mm-hmm. go to the dentist, they wipe. Like how? When was the last time you went to the dentist? And realistically, I had not gone to a dentist like in uh, almost three years. Mm-hmm. You know, but the food in Africa is organic, so you just mm-hmm. you know, the toothpick. You're like, hello, how? <laughs> <laughs> So, so to be honest, I went to the dentist. Actually, you know, of course, we have family dentists. We went to this dentist. He's like, oh, no, you're good, man. They just cleaned a little bit. So the next thing, I had to call him back. I'm like, hey, uh, what's his name? Bill. I'm like, hey, Bill. So I'm good to go. He's like, okay, come back. I go back. And mm-hmm. um, the next thing, he had like, he had the, no, no, actually, before Bill, there's another gay guy who was like, uh, he liked me right instantly, just like that, boom. And the next thing, I was having all these photo shoots, and I was like, wow, this is, you know, things are just running, just mm-hmm. pam, pam, pam. Like, we, I used to have three photo shoots in a month. Yeah. And this is like two grand, $1,500, you know what I'm saying, per photo right. shoot. Yeah, but this goes back to the economy. The economy was booming. Everybody had the money. Companies mm-hmm. were willing to inject a whole bunch of money in their marketing strategy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so I was getting a whole bunch of gigs. I had a part-time job with WestJet which is a flight company, like a, an airline company down here. Mm-hmm. Part-time job. I didn't care because these, 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 these gigs were really paying me good money. So, like I said, one thing leads to another, one thing leads to another, you know, uh, and then that gay guy who's like a really very obnoxious in a way that I didn't understand. I told him, you know what, dude? No, I can't work with you no more. Obnoxious in the sense that he was very, he was too much for me. Mm-hmm. You know, you go... You know, he wants you to do these things. And, you know, like when you do the math, you technically not getting the, the, the money back. You know what I'm saying? So mm. sometimes he would, you know, he would, he would definitely organize some shows that like fashion shows, like runway, you know, catwalk shows and stuff like that. But he doesn't pay us. And tickets would be very expensive. I'm like, dude, you and he, you know, there's, there's something not right about him that I just didn't So they weren't even covering for your travels and all of that? No. Uh-huh. It was downtown. It was in Calgary, so he was on this. You know, he was quite. Um, he was quite. Uh, how can I call it? Like uh, supposition that we will be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. assuming, right? Mm-hmm. Assuming. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. Like he would support people and be like, "Hey, pay us." Blah, blah, blah. But I was like, "No, man." I injected a lot of money to go to the gym to actually come for fittings and come for you know because we have to do rehearsals and stuff like that just mm-hmm. to know you know just to know how the stage is like and blah blah. So I quit with I quit him I quit working with him, and then um, Bill Bill was like took me like that, and uh, the next thing I was all over the place. The next thing, you know, there's a company that had to fly me down uh, down to Toronto and Montreal to do all these photo shoots, and in my mind I was like, "Hello, Mama, I made it." Eh? <laughs> <laughs> so pretty much that's it. That, that, that's the, the 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 whole you know fashion and yeah. uh, you know journey and. Uh, now coming back to the acting, mm-hmm. of course you remember the the platinum agency that I was telling you about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Carla actually got me a whole bunch of gigs, and of course does uh, uh, the Hell on Wheels. It's a, a TV series. It's it's a it's a TV series, and Common is actually the big uh, the big uh, the big the, the superstar. I so I that. actually, you you did. So I. Uh, I auditioned, I, I had all the, because I was 6'2", I was 220 pounds, muscle, you know, because by that time, we had no corona, so I used to go to the gym and just kill it, you know? <laughs> BC so before I was corona. Good. Yeah, yeah. 
So we, I did, I had to audition for the, the main part, for the sub part, rather, sub main part. Mm-hmm. So there was Common, there's another black guy. It was a slave, it was a slave show, right? So, and so we had to audition and the producer was like, oh yeah, we think we found the guy. In my mind, I'm like, okay. So they gave me the first, um, the first two uh, pages. But the funny thing is like, they were looking for an American with a, a thick uh, Southern accent, which I did not have. No. But they're like, Frank, I know. They're like, Frank, you have everything. If you could just master this, then you are good to go. You, you have this. Mm-hmm. You should have seen me. I went back home. I was on YouTube all the time. I remember I had just come from Africa. This was in 2011. I was only, what, two years around here. So I spoke English, but the English people spoke down here in Calgary was different. Like he was so plain and very beautiful and uh, they tone in their voice and the note, you know, you know, you know, those things. I was like, wow, this is the Canadians. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) But the good thing is that, um, the good thing is that I have a friend of mine who's actually, he's American. He lives in Calgary. He was Mm -hmm. married to my ex-wife's friend. So he's, he's an African-American. So I had Mm -hmm. to jump on the phone with him just to make sure that, you know, he, you know, he, he corrects me. So we would get into this sort of a dialogue. And then he's like, no, no, they don't sound like that, Frank. No, 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 just cut it off. Just don't, don't, don't pronounce the words the way they are. Just take it easy. And you can imagine it's my first thing. I'm like, okay, I'm going to be with Common. Yo, you know, when you, like you grew up watching Common. He's like one of the best rappers and you're going to be right next to him and stuff like that. So I go back to do the audition and uh, I couldn't get it. Mm. So the first one was only two lines. I could fake that. I could definitely get it. Boom. The second was two two pages. I could not freaking, you know, do the two pages. Yeah. But the thing that made me feel good about me is the fact that I tried. Right. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And there's a whole bunch of so I as I was driving back home, I was like, maybe I don't speak English. Because <laughs> I was, you know, <laughs> you start to doubt yourself. Exactly. So yeah. and this is one thing that really kills a whole bunch of brothers and sisters who come from africa or whatever they come from because mm-hmm. they they always take no's for for answers and me growing up in kampala I was like ah, ah, no sijagala. you see what i'm saying mm-hmm. i am gonna go hard i'm gonna do whatever it takes to at least be there you see what i'm saying so so what i did was so when i went to the the final audition which was actually supposed to be in la there's a whole bunch of uh Canadian Africans, okay, black people mm-hmm. who were mm-hmm. born in Canada, who spoke English way fluent than I did, who had the Canadian, real Canadian accent, but they didn't have the Southern accent. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I am really kidding myself. I'm driving back home. I'm like, fuck, 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 fuck. Excuse my French, but, uh, mm. you know, I get home and my ex was like, so what happened? I'm like, I didn't get it. Like, yeah, yeah. She's like, Frank, you cannot, you know, yes, you you sound good as an African man, but you with that accent, you definitely need to have basically you need to have it basically exposed to you need to have been exposed to that sort of accent. Right. The so you you know you yeah, the southerners, the way they speak and the way they, they drop it, you know, there's that tone in their voice. Your tone is too African. I'm like, mm. okay. So like so with that tone, they can't give it to you. And she's like, I would be surprised if they find anybody from Calgary who can do that tone. That sort of 
language expression. That draw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that draw that, you know, I was like, okay. And guess what? So they called me. They, they were like, okay, so you're not going to get this, but would you be coming back to just play as an extra? I was like, okay, cool. I can do that. Mm-hmm. So I went back to, they called me once and uh, guess who nobody Nobody got that part from from Calgary. Right. No, no black man from Calgary got that part. They still have to get somebody from the states who, who has been acting forever, mm-hmm. you know. And he did it, and I was like, okay, that makes me feel good. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and and you know what? The good thing is that um, one time I was just we were just on set, and I was just I was singing amazing grace. How sweet that sound. Common was just right behind me. I didn't even know Common was behind me. He, mm-hmm. he, he comes to me, he's like, yo, Frank. You know, he sounds like a, he has this he's, incredible. He's so smooth, <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, what's your name, man? Oh, <laughs> Common. Frank, Frank Rukundo. <laughs> Frank Rukundo. Oh, I love, man. What, what does that mean? I'm like, okay, so Rukundo means love. Frank, you know what it is. You're like, you're funny too, huh? <laughs> I like, I'm like, you want, you mind doing that again? You know how they sound, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm like, what? He's like, you want, you, you want to do that again? I'm like, yeah, because the dude was right behind me reciting his, you know, you know the words, and he had he had his paper mm-hmm. reciting his words, mm-hmm. and I was just messing around, you know, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. He's like, wow, yeah, dude, you sing? I'm like, yeah, actually, I'm a singer. You know how we go. <laughs> I'm famous. Yeah, I'm like, I'm Where a singer. I, yeah, I'm a singer, but I'm more R&B. He's like, yeah, I can tell, man. I can tell. You know, do it again. So he kept on coming back to me. Mm-hmm. But the funny thing is that producers, like when the main superstar, like we, we're not even supposed to be talking to them. Mm-hmm. He came to me. He would come to mm-hmm. me back and forth. I'm like, I didn't do anything. Mm. So one time they were looking for somebody who could sing a slave song. So we were constructing like a railway. Uh, Sometimes I, I can't pronounce that word. Ray, Ray, whatever. Railway. Like, yeah, rail, yeah. For the you train. said it right the first time. Mm, yeah. You had it. Yeah, I get it. But sometimes when I think about it, then I, I don't get it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they're looking for somebody who could sing like a slave song. I, I still remember that song. How did it go? When it's early in the morning. When I hit outside, you know, like it was like a, it was like a, a spiritual, a slave song, a Negro but, spiritual, mm-hmm. yeah, a Negro spiritual song. I took it to another level, like, so that gave me my very first credit as an actor because I signed. Mm. Mm. And I was like, hey, I'm an actor. <laughs> hey. <laughs> so the whole thing really, you know, like I said, one thing leads to another. Now, um, of course, the more money that I make, my agent makes more money too because she takes like 25% of whatever that I make. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I remember I paid like two grand just for a few lines. And so she, you know, she she took it as a, a great factor to just propel me to, you know, to kind of uh, take me to different, you know, other uh, movies that were being shot in uh, Calgary. Mm-hmm. And from then I started doing a whole bunch of things. I, um, I, uh, I actually doubled uh, the guy Jimoni Hunsu, mm-hmm. you guys know, you know. Oh, yeah, 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 that does, yeah, yeah, that's a great yes, yes. Oh, yeah, so I doubled him, I was like, wow. Blood Diamond, my, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Yeah, okay. so there's a movie, uh, it's called uh, Painkillers. Mm. Yeah, so my, my agent is like, Frank, you don't want to know what you're going to do this time. I'm like, what is that? She's like, uh, you'll be doubling this dude. I'm like, who's the... So I'm thinking, like, because she didn't know the name. She couldn't pronounce it. She's like... Mm. And um, she's like, this is the guy. He was in... Um, and I'm thinking, it cannot be Will Smith because I don't have the hair. <laughs> Maybe I'm thinking it's probably Jamie Foxx because there was a whole bunch of like movies out being shot in Calgary. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Because maybe it was cheaper as opposed to Vancouver. Vancouver and Toronto are very expensive. So they used to come to Calgary. So I'm thinking, it could be, it can't be Samuel Jackson. No, he's a little bit older than me. There's no way that I ever thought about Jimoni Hunsi. And then she's like, you know what? No, just go. When you get to the, you know, when, when you get to the set, just ask them, who are you doubling? So when I get, when I, when I got there, the, the gentleman was like, oh yeah, it's this guy from Blood Diamond. I was like, what the heck? You know? And right. he was like, yeah, like I love the guy. Like I looked after him as a, you know, you know when you look after somebody. As an African man mm-hmm. trying to do what and he does, yeah. Exactly. And he has an accent. Plus, he used to be a model. Like his mm-hmm. history is, you know, he was born in Benin. He grew up, you know, he grew up in France. He fell up with his brother who actually brought him to, to, to France. He was a street guy. He had nothing, but he used to, he was a martial artist and he had like a kick, you know, kickboxing background. And one time he was just walking on the street and this fashion photographer was like, hey, are you a model? So like I had read about him. So he really inspired me too. So when they told me I was actually going to be body doubling him, I was like, whoa, this is dope. Right. You know? Yeah. So that took me to another level of acting because, you know, there's a whole bunch of, you know, you know, these black guys who grew up here with a little bit of an attitude. When you speak to them, you have a little bit of an accent. So they can tell you're from Africa. So you can see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they don't give you that vibe. But when I did that, now the respect was coming down. Like, hey, Frank, man, that was dope, man. You know, that, yo, that was dope, man. That, ooh. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm you know? <laughs> I do this. Yeah, so uh-huh. then... Um, then uh, this was way back in 2013. Then I went back to Africa. That's when I did the Big Brother Africa thing. Uh, so when I came back, there was uh, actually the director of this. It's called um, Wainona Alps. Mm. It's a, yeah, it's a TV series. A TV series as well. So uh, I got like a, I had like a four liner in that. Mm-hmm. I had four lines in that in, in those and okay I like a, yeah like a bouncer and that actually gave me another second uh credit my second credit as an actor and in canada to be really you know fully recognized as an actor you definitely need to be part of the actra which is the canadian association of actors and actresses mm-hmm. yeah but you need uh three credits so most of the time you find people have actually been acting and they've done a whole bunch of theater performances but they don't have you know they don't have credits because mm-hmm. a credit you can only get it. You can only get a credit when you you speak in in a movie or when you do something very special or when you're seeing or so. Up to today, I'm still waiting for my third credit, and I will be fully recognized in Canada as an actor. You nice. know what I mean? And I could be able to do some work in the states as well. I did some audition. There's a time in 2011 because I used to work for WestJet. Mm-hmm. I flew down to LA. I did some auditioning. Uh, auditions in LA and uh, unfortunately I didn't have an American work permit blah 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 so and I was not even a Canadian by that time so 
I things got complicated. Yeah. yeah, things got complicated, but mm. it's okay. We go through things like that to be where we are. So For sure. Yeah, then yeah, so since then I've been, you know, trying to do whatever, a whole bunch of stuff. And then I got into the corporate world because the acting kind of went down for some reason in Calgary. Mm-hmm. I had to find a job, like a job, job, job. So <laughs> nine so, to five. <laughs> yep. And uh, you said you, you mentioned the Big Brother Africa. I think that's what a lot of people know you from. Personally, that's what I know uh, about you. Uh, tell us about yeah. how, how that came about and like how that process was, how you get involved in that. Um, good question. Actually, um, so you remember I used to, I was modeling for Low Chateau, I was modeling for Maxwell Warehouse for Sport Check. So these were like three great companies that were really paying me good money on a day, on a monthly basis. Mm-hmm. I canceled my contract. I was like, you know what? Right after, when I heard that Rwanda is actually going to be in the Big Brother for the first time, I was like, you know what? Rwanda can never be represented well if I don't represent it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. Right. Totally. Because, yeah. Oh my gosh. You know, so this, and it could, I, I may sound a little bit braggadocious. Oh, not at all. Very humble. You know, Listen. You know. You know. She got to flaunt it, right? You know how we do. So mm. I was really confident. I was like, you know what? If there's anybody who can represent Rwanda right now in Big Brother, that's me. I didn't give a crap about anybody else. I was like, it's me, and I was willing to die for it. Because think about it. I had gone through divorce. I had lost my house. I had lost my car, pretty much. I was just like in that state where I was like, you know what? I came from nothing. Now I just came to Canada. I built this incredible little family of mine and me my wife and my kid and I had a beautiful like basically I was living the Canadian dream and then all of a sudden things just went down south. Mm-hmm. So as maybe I was looking for something that would console me, that something that would make me feel good. And uh, all of a sudden I was just I was actually at work. I was making a lot of money but I was not happy. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I'm at work and I'm reading a newspaper saying hey Rwanda in Big Brother for the first time, I'm like, you know what? That's it. You know when that little light kind of switches in your brain? Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is it. This is it. So I I went back to work in the morning. I was like, you know what? I quit. He's like, no. You know? You know how white people can be. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh Wait, so you God. made that decision just right there and then you were like, I'm done. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna go. I'm like, I'm gone. Yeah, I'm gone. Wow. There's a call. Not knowing my- that you're going to make it to even be a part of the big brother exactly yep now when it comes to talent and opportunities you got to be in a position to make such audacious moves that you and you nobody else can actually help you out right you see what i'm saying mm. yeah so i didn't care like you know my apartment i don't need regret i had a beautiful car like you know the, the charger that i had yeah. dave knows it mm. i had you know i had really invested in that like i used to take you to the doge you know, dealership, hey, make sure, make sure my guy's good there. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, things like this, you know. You, you know, as a young man, that's what I, you know, I had a beautiful wife and a beautiful car, beautiful kid, beautiful house, you know, beautiful, you know, career. Well, I wouldn't call it career because it's not really prominent. But, <laughs> but yeah, you were living a good life. Yeah, exactly. On the, on the surface. <laughs> Yeah, we could go down to Mexico. We could go down to Costa Rica. My homeboys were like, ah, 
what did you do for life, eh? I'm like, uh-uh. We thank God. <laughs> so I decided. I was like, you know what? This is it. I'm gone. Went back. Went back to work. I went to the human resources, and yeah, I remember her name was Patricia. I'm like, Patricia, I'm gone. She's like, no, Frank, no. Because I'm that kind of person, when I decided to do things, I'd never, like, I'd be there for two, two years, never called in sick, never been late, because I'm that kind of person, like, very mm-hmm. regimented when it comes to things that really mean to, you know, a lot to me. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, I'm like, she's like, Frank, no, no, you can't. I'm like, no, I'm gone. But she's like, you know what? You know, if you ever come back, please let us know. Your position will be right there. I'm like, cool, thank you. Next thing, I got myself a, a one-way ticket. Wow. That's fake. Yeah, I, like, I spoke to my, yeah, like, I called my ex-wife. I'm like, you know what? I'm gone. She's like, what, what do you mean? And I'm like, I'm going. I'm like, I am going. I don't know when I'm coming back, but I'm gone. So please take care of our son. <laughs> but make it, if I make it, we are making it. You're my ex, but we are making it as a family. Like, right. You know, we have to raise this beautiful boy. I got myself a one-way ticket. I guess what? I took a business class. I didn't care. I was like, you know, a one-way ticket <laughs> business class. <laughs> go big or go home, basically. You know, so I go down to Africa. I, I get to Rwanda on the third, on a Saturday, and the audition was on Monday. Wow. Clad in a suit. My, my friend actually gave me his car. I drove down to the audition place. And the first thing people are like, what the, who are you? <laughs> I'm like, I am Frank, I am Frank Rikundo, and I'm going for this. And, you know, so we did like a few interviews, you know, one there, which I passed. Naturally. And, uh, the, yeah, the, 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 the last one, the determining one was actually in South Africa. Oh. Where mm-hmm. they had, you know, I went, they flew us down South Africa. And, you know, things are just bam, 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 you know? Mm-hmm. And remember, I didn't have like a, the Rwanda, Rwanda and South Africa were having like some sort of uh, political issues. Apparently, you know, like uh, the South African embassy was not really working, like giving us visas. Mm-hmm. But South mm-hmm. Africa came to Rwanda. So, but the good thing is, like, our minister by that time, uh, the sports and uh, youth minister was really good. His name was Joe. He, I remember he, Joe. Yeah, he recommended us. They gave us uh, uh, diplomatic passports. We flew down South Africa and. The next thing I was on the Big Brother Africa. Wow. Being watched by 50 million people in Africa. And Big wow. Brother being, that's crazy. Yeah, Big Brother. Oh yeah, like Big Brother being the second reality TV show in Africa, second to uh, the African Cup of Nations. So it was huge. It was the most incredible thing that I've ever done in my life. Wow. Because he he helped me grow as a as a man, mm-hmm. helped me grow as a as uh, I think, yeah, as a man, because I think I was I was playing around, you know, much as I was married, but I think I was I was just playing around. Hey, I'm married, yeah, but I didn't know exactly the, <laughs> the, the, the magnitude. Of, yeah. Like this ring, well, what is that? <laughs> yeah. So when I when I was in the Big Brother house, I think that's when I grew. I was like, what the Because before you go to the house, mm-hmm. they put you like in a they put you like in a very they put us down in a. Hilton Hotel, mm-hmm. all of us, but no TV, no phones, nothing whatsoever, no watches, nothing to read for two weeks. Wow. Why? So, oh, it's kind of like practice for the house once yeah, you're in the exactly, house. Exactly, okay. exactly. Just to mess you up, you know, psychologically. You can handle it. 
And, You're ready. Yeah, so I think those two weeks were very, very, you know, consequential in me as me. Mm-hmm. So when mm. people say, hey, quarantine, I'm like, hey, he has been quarantined for two weeks, <laughs> you know? <At> least, <laughs> well, you know, because I see people say quarantine is, you know, messed up, blah, yeah. blah, blah, sick and tired. I was in that hotel, fancy hotel, no TV, no phone call, no, no phone, no phone calls, no watch, nothing to read. Wow. My dear, one day would be like a year. Mm. But you're just sitting there with your thoughts. That's it. Yeah, just sit on the couch and uh, do a little, you know, a few push-ups. And the good thing I had somebody, you know, they they gave us drivers. Okay. Yeah. So he would come and bring me food. He would like, Frank, what do you want today? You know, like after I need steak, I need potatoes. You know. Okay. Hey, brother, you love uh, you love steak, eh? I'm like, yes, I love it. (laughs) So you know. That really gave me, it exposed me to intrinsically look at me as Frank Rakundo. Mm. Just uh, take a few notes and just take it to another level. Yeah. And also deal with your divorce. Sounds like you didn't get time to actually sit down. No, and, no, and, no, and, no. Yeah. So that was, yeah. that was good for you. So those, yeah. So those two weeks really, like I had everything. Like if I, for example, if I had like a cold, you know, that guy would go, hey, Frank, you okay? You okay, man? Like, I am not okay. What do I bring you? You know, bring this. And you just go bring it. So, like, they would take care of us. Mm-hmm. I know there's one of us who got sick. They took her to the hospital, right? You know? So, that time really gave me the time to really think deeper than just Frank Rakundo, who wants to make it to, you know, Hollywood or mm-hmm. just make it in life, you know? And I'm like, okay, so you quit your jobs. What if you don't win? Mm. You know? <laughs> Yeah, and and the winning thing was like a, what the prize was three hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, I was like, well, if I could get that three hundred thousand dollars, maybe I could be able to just finish up with a few things and just correct a few things on my end, and you know, go back to Canada. My son would be so proud of me, and mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> so, how were you able to use that platform after the fact? As you didn't win, unfortunately. I don't know how you didn't win, but you didn't. I so, didn't win, of course. I didn't. I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be in Canada. Right. <laughs> Had I won that one, I would not be in Canada. I swear to God. So, um, so, so the, it was actually nine weeks. So I was there for six weeks. Oh. And, you know, it's a game. It's a mind game. So I was up for eviction every goddamn weekend. Who's going home, Frank, as a triple threat? Because I acted, I sang, I. It was very active, you know, in terms of, you know, fashion and stuff like that. And maybe the only thing that I, I, I didn't really do was uh, messing around with the ladies. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, from, from a historical perspective, whoever has actually won Big Brother Africa has actually fornicated with the ladies or with the men. So I didn't do it. That's shocking. So was, mm-hmm. What do you mean? <laughs> no, no, no. Like, no shade. But like... <laughs> Judging by just your your um, I guess your ah. Instagram Charisma. life and you know just your what am I trying to say? Your personality, <laughs> your aura. Yeah, yeah okay. like your mm-hmm. your personality. Um, you would think that you're such a like a woman you know, in a way, you know? Yeah, like you're a chick magnet. You're funny. You're handsome. Hey. So it's like, how were you able, how were you able, and you were single at the time. So how, yeah. how, how were you able not to um, fall into that trap? So here's one thing though. I, I, like I come from Rwanda, which is more of a 
and I, I don't want to attribute this reason to me coming from Rwanda, but I think I, uh, my mother is almost, you know, she's almost the pastor, you know, mm -hmm. she's the, she's the prayer warrior of our family. Mm -hmm. My father is from this, is, is this, you know, uh, conventional, traditional man, Professor Ndejea Patrick. And I am a father, much as, you know, the, you know, what I portray on the, on the face value does not really insinuate who I am as a person mm -hmm. inside. Right. So, yeah, so I'm like, if I mess around, I don't want my son to really, because these are things that are recorded, right. you know, the, yeah. But if he saw me naked, you know, just taking a shower, he's, you know, it's okay. But he would rather see me naked taking a shower as opposed to seeing me messing around with a woman. And of course, if I mess around with you, I'm not, I'm not just going to kiss you. We will end up doing other things. <laughs> so I'm like, no, 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 no. And all of that is recorded. Oh, yeah, yeah. it's recorded. Look, I'll give you an example. One time, so right after I went back to Rwanda, of course, I was a star. Everybody, like, I would go to the clubs and people like, Frank, mm -hmm. get in the house. You know, I'm like, who? You know, this couple comes to me and uh, they're like, Frank, we saw you naked. The, the lady and the husband, mm -hmm. I was taking a shower. I'm like, you're kidding. She's like, yeah. She pulls out her phone. She shows me the goddamn, you know, footage of me taking a shower. Here. Wow. And the husband was like, <laughs> <laughs> Like that's uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm like, okay, yeah, cool. <laughs> you know, so imagine had I done the the worst, well, the mm. worst, the worst, best thing of messing around with the woman in there, and my son all of a sudden is seeing me just messing. He's like, right. Dad, are you a porn? Are you a porn star? So I didn't want to. I didn't want to do that. Like I. Your morals. Yeah, much as I wanted to do it so bad, you can imagine I had all these ladies like around me, naked, showering, and stuff like that. I'm a man with fresh blood, you know. Which, <laughs> you know, I'm like, eh. <laughs> Jesus. You know, yeah. I'm like, you know, you just think about the anacondas, and you know, the brain just shuts down, and you know, and uh, I'm like, okay, so what is it? What is the house? I couldn't take it. I'm like, I don't want to be part of the statistics mm -hmm. where, you know, whoever won the big brother was either they messed, you know, they kissed a hundred girls and, and I'm very picky. Mm -hmm. No, I don't just plant my lips wherever. Mm -mm. <laughs> I need to feel you. I need to, you know, I need to, you know, really. Mm -hmm. That's me. Right. So, and I'm not bashing with the ladies that I, I, I used to bash them straight up on camera. I'm like, you know what? I'm sorry. Like the, the lady from Uganda who was Miss Uganda. And she had all this queeny, missy sort of a way of life. Mm -hmm. And she loved me. I was like, no, I'm sorry. I can't let you know. She was like, really? And she became an enemy, like number mm -hmm. one. You know? She got in her I, feelings, of course. You rejected her. Yeah, you know. And there's, there's another lady from uh, Zambia. She was ghetto she went crazy on me so now coming back to your question i know i'm too wordy but um these are really subjective questions where you don't expect it no or you know oh, for sure. it's a yeah so how did it shape me it's just understanding who you are as a person mm -hmm. and understanding the surrounding and the best thing is actually understanding the people you deal with on a daily basis this could be at work this could be or you know 
not even at work, just at home. Mm-hmm. Just because when I went back home, I could see the ego that my dad has. And this is the same persona that he has been carrying ever since I was a kid. Like, he's like, yeah, hey, you know, mm-hmm. and I could, <laughs> I could see my mom, you know, and just look at her. And when she says this, what exactly does she mean? Because it was a mind game, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, so when I came back to Canada after that, I got rid of a whole bunch of friends of mine. Mm. Uh, right now, like in Calgary, I think I only talked to like three. The most could be like four guys that uh, I really talk to on a deeper, you know, perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but before, hey, what are you doing? Okay, I'm coming. Yeah, cool. You know, like those things. So I got rid of people like that. They got rid of me. I would say the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I would rather be in my little house, play a song, dance, just leave me as Frank Raccoon as opposed gotcha. to anybody else. Yeah. Now, um, of course, from a work perspective, you know, I just just to see how you conduct yourself on a daily basis, how you close deals, how you talk to people and, you know, things like that. So I think it really played a very significant role in shaping who I am today. Mm-hmm. And I'm super proud of it. I know I didn't win, but in the long run, I will uh, win. There you go. Yeah, the experience. And you won in a lot of ways too. Oh, yeah, I did. I did. Because right after that, um, I went down to Nigeria. There's a whole bunch of gigs in Nigeria that are, you know, I remember we went to Nigeria for the first time. I was like, whoa, Niger people. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, there's a a film company in Ghana, which was really like that, wanted to hire me to be one of their main actors in one uh, one of their movies, one of their films. Unfortunately, my I was I had a PR card. Uh, you, you know the PR card, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like a green expired. card for the yeah, people the that card, are in yeah. the United States, yeah. Yeah, so it was expiring in uh, like three months, and these guys wanted me to be there like yesterday. Yeah. I'm like, hey guys, my yeah. I'm like, I know I love the money. It was like what well, close to thirty grand. I'm like, I love the money, but because I know once it expires, when you're in like in Africa. Mm-hmm. Like, I still have to go back to the whole process of, which is absolutely, you know, uh, tedious and stuff like yeah. that. I was like, no. So I was like, guys, I'm like, you know, I'm, I can go back to Canada tomorrow. You give me a week. I get my uh, green card, my uh, green card back, and I'll be coming back. I'll, I'll come straight to Accra. They're like, oh, no, Frank, we wanted you yesterday. I'm like, you know, if you really want me, then you can understand my position. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, you can even take it from 30 grand to anything, but just give me like a few that you see production, production. I'm like, I'm like, you guys told me yesterday. How do you expect me to, <laughs> you know, this is, and this is one thing, maybe if I could go back to a business perspective of how sometimes we do business as our people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. There's uh, that lack of flexibility in how things work. And uh, seriously, I was like, okay, just give me, a few weeks because I knew I was going to come here, go straight to the immigration. Be like, hey guys, please, I need this because there's some money that you pay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if for example, it was like, if it was like $100, you can pay 200 I mean, you can, you can pay, you can pay 140 to get like a, an express one or 200 And I would just get it, fly back to Accra, do my gig, you know. Anyhow, so that exposed me to countries like that. I did a whole bunch of work in Rwanda. I did a whole bunch of work with Airtel, which was, I was one of their face models for like a year. Their money was not good, but at least, you know, I did something for my country and uh, the mm-hmm. country. Mm-hmm. And the big companies actually do great stuff 
for Rwandan people. So I was actually really, you know, proud to be part of, uh, you know, their progress as opposed to, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I really want, so I'm really, uh, yeah. And uh, I, I used to organize, so I had a company that really used to bring in uh, performers and stuff like that. So of course, I would interact with a whole bunch of CEOs for their sponsorship and stuff like that. Uh, an example was uh, Skoll. Skoll is a beer company, which is actually competing with Brazil right now. They, one of one of my gigs, they gave me a check of $10,000 in Africa. So that is incredible. Wow. Yeah. You know, so I won. Like, I'm, I can't regret. Yeah. So. Definitely. And like you said, mm-hmm. that it was um, 50 million views uh, viewers at the time. So you were able to parlay that into like an audience for your other things. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So Absolutely. Yeah. How I first heard about you was your Instagram live things, like your weekly uh, shows on there. And yeah. how did you, how did that come about? And what is that all about for the people that don't know? Yeah. So the Frank Hip Madness is something that I used to, I call it the madness because everybody who knows me, Frank is, you're just mad, 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 you know, because <laughs> I'm, I'm either, I'm always dancing or, I hate, I don't, I don't do confrontations. I don't really, I'm not really that. I'm a lover, not a fighter. So I'm always like, a, even from high school, anybody who knows me right from Chideka Band, the way I was born, they know me as Frank the funny kid, Frank the funny boy, Frank the funny youth. When I was at the university, Frank the crazy Frankie. So the, the, the madness has always been part of my life. Mm-hmm. Mad in a, like the, the craziness in a very, consequential way though fun way like, you know, I, yeah the funny way like in a very uh, I, you know so the frankie madness my ideal frankie madness is it was based on the fact that i could post a whole bunch of videos and stuff like that mm-hmm. people love them you find them like people have watched them like twenty thousand views i'm like well that's okay but now with this covid thing i knew there's a whole bunch of people who would definitely love this you see what i'm saying mm-hmm. And uh, so I took it to another level of, you know, it's the Frankie madness. But when you look at the people that I do interview, it's people who are very simple, you know, people like your sister. Mm-hmm. When Judy introduced me to your sister, I was like, oh, you know, to, to, to uh, Tabby, I was like, oh, okay, cool. Well, cause I didn't know her. Right. So, mm-hmm. but when I called her, I gave up, you know, we, we, we chat a little bit on the phone. I was like, oh, okay. You're interesting. You know? So things like that. Mm-hmm. I would, I didn't want to be like a, I, I don't want to focus on the, the let's say, for example, Miss Rwanda or the Minister of Gender. Blah, right. blah. No, I wanted to focus on the regular, you know, the regular, you know, low key people with incredible ideas. And, how, you know, so if it wasn't for Judy or the Frankie Madness, then I wouldn't have known Tabby. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And uh, so when Judy was like, yeah, she does these things of, you know, mental health. And uh, I was like, that, that is exactly what we need right now. Mm-hmm. So, I was like, what can Frankie Madness do to make sure that people get to know or get to hear from a, a professional or, you know, from a, a deeper holistic understanding of mental health and stuff like that. So trust me, the, the very day that our first um, interaction on the Frankie Madness uh, Instagram live, you don't want to know how many people sent me messages just to say, you know what, my brother was dealing with this, my mother is actually, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and I'm like, wow. And, you know, Tabby would actually tell you the same thing because, you know, she texted me like, you know what, Frank, you don't want to know how many people really, first of all, followed me, mm-hmm. much as I'm not a, an IG sort of, uh, you know, person. 
But mm-hmm. people really sent me a request. They sent me messages just to thank me as Tabby for mm-hmm. the things that I did. As a matter of fact, that inspired our last one that we did on Friday. Yeah. So coming back to your question, I just wanted to use my platform just to be a smile to people out there who could be going through the worst, especially with this COVID thing. Right. You know, people in Rwanda don't go to sleep because they spend the whole day sleeping and they don't, you know, they have nothing to do. Right. And these are the same people who are like, yo, Frank, man, we love you. We love you. Right. Man, I wish I could show you guys how many messages and just people saying, Frank, we love you from older women to older men to, to, to the youngsters, mm-hmm. to the, you see what I'm saying? And right. to me, that is actually, that, you know, that really fills my heart. It, it, it's, it's absolutely fulfilling. Like, uh, and which kind of resonates with my raccoon domain. Yeah. I feel you. I feel <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome, man. ray of sunshine. That's nice. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, like, for for example, that kid, uh, the one who had corona, you know, he's a Rwandan kid mm. in New York. Yeah. Uh, he had corona. He didn't tell his he he didn't tell his dad that he had corona. He was petrified. And remember, he's he has only been in the states for five months. He stays with his auntie. He's like mm. he when he said Frank, and you know how it is. Yeah, when you're newbie, it's hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, even the dream of coming to the states and the next thing corona. Right. Eh, eh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I uh, we nowadays we we have people we call Slay Queens. I, I invite on Slay Queens and they just come and speak up their mind. I'm like, who are you? Like, what is it? As a mother, yeah. what do you do? Like, what, what's going on? So people, so these are the people that I really try to incorporate in this whole Frankie Madness mm-hmm. thing, just because there's, we have a whole bunch of them there and they don't get a chance to speak. So when they speak sometimes, like, you know what? I am not a Slay Queen. I am just a hardworking woman who wants to do ABC. Mm-hmm. And I'm super proud of the fact that I'm doing this because I am not begging. I am not, you know, mm-hmm. I work hard to look the way I look. And so it, it, the dimension in the Frankie Madness really gives them, first of all, a voice. Second of all, there's a whole bunch of them out there who mm-hmm. want to be represented. I, uh, when I even, I spoke to uh, a tranny, like a, this, this dude, he was born a dude, but when he was 15, he turned out to be a woman. I'm like, ah, ah you lying to us. You tell us, you see? So, uh, and he was able to defend his side with no vindication or, you know, you know how people right. could be, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm like, no, 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 let's just, let's just, we just having a conversation, mm-hmm. speak to us. And trust me, this thing had like a, a thousand people just watching it. And to me, and I'm not saying, yeah, I was like, yeah, those are good numbers. No, because, but I just wanted to expose that to the outside world mm-hmm. and the outside world to be exposed to what exactly goes through these people's mind. Right. How do they think? How do they wake up in the morning and brush their teeth and get the makeup on and go to work? Mm-hmm. You see, things like that. So that's just a platform that will give people different ideas. And uh, You're creating a safe space for them and it's needed. Absolutely, absolutely. While also yeah, bringing so, joy to people in this time of stress and anxiety. So exactly, awesome. exactly, yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, so yeah. I, Frankie, I have, I have two questions for you, yeah, and then yeah. we're gonna have to start wrapping it up. And um, Agape can start asking your questions. Mm-hmm. Um, one question. The first question is, when I mean, with all this stuff that you've accomplished, when did you feel? That you've made it you know that you, like oh my gosh i have finally arrived and then the second question is mm-hmm. 
I feel like you moved from Rwanda at the height of your career. You know, people yeah, people yeah. are like, oh my God, Frankie. And you you left. Do you feel the pressure to stay relevant in Rwanda or as in Africa as a whole? Well, this is a really brilliant question. So the first question is that um, growing up as a singer, I think uh, the dream was actually to be signed to, you know, a reputable sort of uh, record label. And uh, of course, when Nemesis was coming up with Nas in the end, you know, he comes home, he's making all these dollars. And I'm like, ah, ah. And he was signed to the same record label. And um, the likes of Kidum, you know, Kidum would come and kill us vocally and musically. And as a matter of fact, there's a, there's a time he was performing and I think the minister of sports was there. The first lady was there. The, 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 the former uh, Kigali mayor was there. And you could see the music, Robert Art, has actually been to a level where people like, you know, those um, highly incredible people are actually appreciating what art is all about. So that kind of gave me the power. So when I was signed to a record label in Kenya, I was like, this is it. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I was like, this is it. I'm like, this is it. I'm going to be able to, yeah, I'm going to be able to, I'm like, I'm going to be able to, first of all, produce good songs with, you know, international quality. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, produce one song, but it just goes platinum. Because first of all, the sound is good. Second of all, uh, the production, the sound, the production, the technique, and the whole, you know, uh, you know, the whole plethora of performances actually in, right? So that really made me proud. And uh, yeah, so even the fact that, you know, people like uh, Robert Kamanzi, who was my producer then, would be like, Frank, you have it all. First of all, you are, you can sing. Because most of these people don't sing. You see what I'm saying? They sing, but they don't sing. It's just, you know, playing around with the beats and stuff like that. He was like, Frank, you can sing. Second of all, you are young, because by that time I was like 28. 28 is relatively young for mm-hmm. an African man, you know, mm-hmm. fresh, yeah, fresh from university, you know, everything's looking plain, like everything's looking, you know, promising and stuff like that. And he was like, you, you're freaking handsome. Like you could sell, like you could freaking sell, you know? So all we need is to get a fine song, one or three, one or two or three, just put you there and blow. And that's exactly what happened. The first two, three songs that we did, like Kipenda Rojo was amazing. Up to today, like I get people from Burundi, people like when I was in, when I was in Kampala, I went to this place called Governor and people like, whoa. So to me, coming back to your question, Judy, uh, I think me being signed to a record label was great. And um, the second question, but, before I go to I jump on the second question, I think I just wanted to reiterate on the fact that as an artist, there's no way you ever feel that you've made it. Right. Mm. Yeah, there's no way. But at least there's that little bit of a gratification to yourself that really you're like, you know what? Yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. You see? Or when, you know, you just see a whole bank like a company like Airtel, you know, calling you to say, Hey Frank, we we want you to be our, you know, special guest. To me, I'm like so like, oh, you know, it's, it's, it's absolutely good, but uh, it's, yeah, because the more you, the more you get higher, you know, the biggie thing, more, more money, more problems. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is when you, you, you want to do like, uh, if you did a, if you did a song with Robert Kamanzi, I wanted to do a song with uh, 
with uh, with one of the producers in South Africa who was amazing. So that's money. So yeah, so we you never get to a point where you say you know what or, or, or the, there's levels. So to the second plus, yeah, there's levels to that. That's why you see people like uh, when we look at Bill Gates today, he's uh, one of the best who has ever made it. But right now he's still struggling to find uh, the, the you know the, the solution to the next best thing. Yeah, exactly. So these I think when it comes to art and you know especially entrepreneurs, that's what we do. We, we think beyond what we are today. Mm-hmm. And I think, you now coming back to your point, the, the second question, I think it's, uh, um, the pressure is always on, but the magic is how you handle the pressure. Cause you know, this pressure can actually either kill you or create you. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the pressure is on. Like I'll give you an example. I have not recorded, I have not released the song in the last. So when I came back from Africa in 2015, I, uh, I think I released one song. Because I had to do my cost analysis. I had to do a whole bunch of, you know, things to critically look at things from a deeper perspective and see, okay, yes, I want to be a superstar, but hey, my father was just getting started with his work and stuff like that. So my mom is a stay-at-home mom. I had like siblings that had to look after me. You know, I would rather invest these $10,000 in a music career, which I, like, I didn't expect like some sort of a, a return of investment from a financial perspective and, you know, I'm like, I could do that, but yes. So yes, because the market, I was looking at the market in Rwanda, marketing to value, which is great, beautiful, blah, blah, blah. But it's not really, it wasn't on the level where I wanted it, Mm -hmm. as opposed to me finding a job here with my finance degree and, you know, my brother or sister or, you know, all my brothers go to school. So most of them are finished university and much as I lit my career down at the moment, but I, uh, my sister, you know, has had degree. My brother has had, you know, his degree in mm-hmm. economics. My sister has had degree in, you know, finance as well. My other brother is actually finishing in uh, uh, communication journalism. So I am proud. Mm-hmm. Now, the pressure, if I looked at it from a pressure perspective, oh my God, I need to do this. I, I need to be re- relevant. Then you see how, you know, the stress would actually be yeah. getting on to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm Frank Rukundo. I don't, I don't let stress, stress, you see what I'm saying? I don't let stress stress me. I stress Mm -hmm. stress. Yeah, I (laughs) I like that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I look at, I'm like, yes, it is what it is, but so what? Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? Because I've seen a lot of people who've actually invested a lot of of money in their career just for the sake of, you know, pressure and, you know, trying to be relevant. But Mm -hmm. this whole bunch of, you know, there's a lot of destruction that is happening behind doors that we don't see. All of a sudden, somebody has a stroke. All of a sudden, somebody mm-hmm. is nothing. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, you know what? Yes, I know. People people send me messages. Frank, we miss your music. Frank, 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 Frank. I'm like, yes, you are. But ain't nobody among you guys knows how I struggle to do whatever that I have to do. My mm-hmm. son needs me. My, you know, I have to make sure he did his homework. I need to, mm-hmm. you know, I need to make sure, you know, much as he's not close with me right now. Like he's in BC, I'm in Calgary, but he needs to, I need to jump on FaceTime and do homework with him and talk to him or just take like a, if I have like a week off work, I just drive down there or just fly down there. That, mm-hmm. you know how it is as a parent. So mm-hmm. yeah, I was like, you know what? I understand you guys need me much as I wanted to be a superstar and be in your face and look all this flamboyant and all incredible and blah, blah, blah. But there's a fundamental rather there's a basic that you you, you know things you gotta take care of yeah so pressure no 
have I ever been, have I been pressured? Of course, yes. But how do you manage it? That's the magic. That is the, the line between being pressured and not being pressured. So my last question to you would be um, for young African kids or immigrant kids that would want to pursue a career. What's one piece of advice you'd have to them that want to pursue a career in entertainment coming up with all your experience? Well, um, the first thing is that you, the entertainment industry rather business is very intricate. What you see WizKid is doing out there, that's not the truth. That's all factitious. It's, it's just, you know. Smoke and mirror. But, yeah, you know, it, it, it's, it's, what, it's marketing. It's uh, art. It's, but realistically, WizKid, you don't know how, what, with, where, in his uh, low time, like when he's really down, you don't know what he's thinking about. You know what I mean? Like he probably has all the, the G wagons and whatever, but where hard work, hard work is hard work. But how do you measure hard work? You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, first of all, you need to be able to, you need to be able to take failure. You need to be much as you want to be, you match as you want to be successful, but you also need to be able, you need to be in a, a moral position to accept failure. Mm-hmm. If I failed on this, what is he? that I can fall back on or fall, fall, fall forward on, right? Mm-hmm. Denzel Washington says, Denzel, Denzel who's actually one of the greatest actors, is like, oh, you know, I, don't, I don't really believe in fall back on. I believe in fall forward. I was like, Denzel, no, you're lying. You need, you know, there's... <laughs> I could have... Need some you. cushion. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, so, yeah. So whatever you, you look at it, much as you want to be successful, you also need to be able to take a little bit of, you know, you need to, you need to take failure. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a lot of, you know, speculations and all this and this and this and people, you know, turn around. They have one, they want to have tattoos and look all these, you know, astronomical and superstars and blah, blah, blah. But realistically, it's not the way it is, nice. you know, but does that stop you from pursuing your dreams? No, you got to take, you know, you, you definitely be able to take your dreams to another level, but you also need to be able to look at a few things that won't go right. Mm-hmm. And that's a fact. And the entertainment industry, irregardless, wherever you go, the entertainment industry is always going to be like that. Gotcha. Well, Frankie, we could talk to you all day. But unfortunately, you know, people's uh, attention spans (laughs) these days are very short. So we do have to wrap things up. But listen, you have an open invitation at IPU. I know you have a lot lot of fun stuff coming up do you want to touch on that and then also give us your ig information so people can tune in into frankie madness madness. Mm -hmm. (laughs) now uh, like i said uh, right now it is it will be very you know uh crazy of me to say i'm going to be releasing a video today or tomorrow or whatever but i do have a whole bunch of great songs that uh I have the songs, but I need to back it up with, I need to back them up with, uh, you know, the visuals, right? So, but right now with the COVID thing going on, we, nobody, none of us knows, you know, the trajectory of this whole thing. It may take 10 months, maybe right. until next year. So we don't know, but on a realistic perspective, you know, there's a whole bunch of things in the store for y'all. Um, if you have a chance, you guys can follow me, catch me up on uh, Frank Ricundo, uh, which is my, IG name, uh, rather my IG handle, Frank, as in F-R-A-N-K-R-U-K-U-N-D-O. Yeah, just uh, catch me up on that. It is the same um, Facebook handle. You can definitely do that. Uh, follow me on, on Facebook or just like my page and uh, 
Uh, with Twitter, it's a little bit complicated. It's Frankie Joe vibes, which is really you know, crazy. But yeah, Frankie Joe vibes, and you know, and uh, yeah, if you have any questions, you you know, you can DM me. Hey, slide in my DM. <laughs> <laughs> ladies, it's the African you know? George Clooney. Ladies, ladies, yeah. and more ladies. <laughs> 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 Well, man, it was uh, it was a pleasure having you. Uh, very entertaining, man. I look forward to <laughs> keeping up on Frankie Madness. Thanks for coming on today. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Uh, I'll sound like uh, 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 what's what's that guy's name? Obama. I'll be like, oh, uh, oh, thank you. Uh, thank you very much. <laughs> all right, guys. Good. <laughs> that was good. For all our listeners, thank you for tuning in. Until next time. All right, peace out. <laughs> Thank you so much, Frankie. You've been listening to IPU Podcast. You can follow IPU Podcast on Instagram. If you haven't yet, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join us next week for another inspiring story. Follow your passion. It will lead you to your purpose. As always, thanks for listening. Until next time. <laughs>